G'day all, and welcome to the second episode of the bushwalking, canyoning, and outdoor community. Today's episode comes to you live from the canyoning compound, and it is brought to you by Bogan Canyoning. Why don't you have a go? Matt here, and for our second episode today, I thought I'd talk to you a bit about tips and tricks for bushwalking, canyoning, and for any place where you're going remote. The episode was inspired by Wifey, which suggested it after she started bushwalking with me. I introduced it to her quite a few years ago, and uh, she found it interesting that there's all these little tips, tricks, and you know, just lay of the land sort of suggestions that make walking that little bit easier. So I thought I'd list some of them. You will find some of them very useful. Some people would have heard them before. But it's a good opportunity to just provide a good education to people that listen to podcasts. And hopefully we can make your life that little bit easier next time you go bush. So to kick out... To kick off our list at number one, let's talk about a bunch of sticks on a random track going into the middle of nowhere. If you've been bush, you might have been walking along a track in a remote section where you've come across the the main track or the side track being blocked by a series of sticks. And I'm not talking about a clear blockage of trees, you know, big gum that's fallen down or a whole heap of logs that are just strewn there from a storm. I'm talking about a number of smaller sticks or twigs or smaller logs that are on the ground. More than likely these sticks or branches have been placed there by national parks or contractors working for them, possibly other bushwalkers. The signal that the track is either closed or to let you know that the path that you are continuing on might not actually be the path that you're looking for. As you can expect, in some popular bushwalking areas, this will be a bit more obvious than the more remote areas. But if you are on a minor trail in a remote section of the bush, this could be a major signal to look for. It is at this point that it may be worthwhile for you to stop for a break, have a cup of tea, have something to eat, review your map or GPS, and determine if you really are heading in the right direction. If not, you may need to correct your path. If you are heading in the right direction, you can just go ahead and ignore this and charge on. Number two on our list are cans. Spelt like in the, uh, spelt, oh yeah, spelt like the uh, city in Queensland, they are man-made piles of rocks to assist in pathfinding. I'm not going to get into the politics of cans because um, some people take that to a whole new level. Cans are used in popular bushwalking areas and in some of the more remote areas of the bush. They have been around since uh, ancient times and have been used for many different purposes. It really is worth actually having a look at the Wikipedia article. It's a good read. Cans can be very useful 
when you are on the, off the beaten track as they can provide guidance as to whether or not you are on the right track where no actual tracks exist. A word of warning, however. Never rely on them without the proper use of map and nav. Many a person has been lost while relying on cans, and some people are known to knock them down to remove their presence. So the point of this matter is, do your research before you head off, Rely on your own knowledge around map and nav, but if they do exist, they could be a really good guidance. Number three on our list is jeans, as in the clothing jeans. Studies actually have been shown that in wet weather, jeans will suck heat from the body quicker than if you were wearing nothing at all. And as I say that, I am reminiscing of that particular Simpsons episode where Ned Flanders wears nothing at all. For the younger crowd with us uh, listening to this podcast, Google Ned Flanders nothing at all. You'll understand what I mean. A British scientist back in the 1960s, Gregory Parr, that was actually born in Australia conducted research that found that genes, uh, as I mentioned earlier, actually do suck away heat from the body quicker than if you were to wear nothing. Hence the reason the proliferation of more synthetic fibres to keep you warm, or wool. As a bit of a side story, Griffith Parr was actually critical to the 19... 73 ascent of Everest by Tenzing and Hillary. His work allowed them to reach the top of Mount Everest, but also spanned all sorts of things from health, equipment, clothing, and oxygen and altitude. The man's profile is very, very big and worth a read. But anyway, Google him. The bottom line to uh, point number three is don't wear jeans while bushwalking. Number four on our list is a very common thing, shoes. There's many types of shoes out there that can be used for bushwalking. And the amount of debates that you can have on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, any of the forums, read any articles on the internet or even if you are that old, magazines can provide so many different views that you don't know where to start. Whether it's shoes that are, have stiff soles and ankle supports, others would recommend minimalist types like the Volley or the uh, Vibro Barefoot. There are trail runners, there's hiking shoes, there's canyoning shoes, they're the regular jogger or runner that you wear while in the city. Then there's even pluggers for the people that uh, feel that they can get up 45 degree slopes in them. When wifey started walking with me all those moons ago, she learnt the hard way that regular joggers just don't cut it in the rough stuff and the grip is terrible. But the thing that she did learn is that you need to pay attention to the footwear that you wear. She went off and did a research and decided that a pair of leather hiking boots, uh, what would you say, mid-ankle, were going to be perfect for her. They had plenty of support, they had plenty of grip. 
Me, on the other hand, I use, I'm a person that wears trail runners. And it's something that I very rarely change from. It's funny that each person has their own view on this. But the biggest takeaway I can say from it is you don't have to spend a mozza. But if you choose intelligently and you choose what's comfortable, that's the perfect shoe. Because there is no one-size-fits-all situation. In. And finally, in number five, possibly my favorite tip or trick, if in doubt, bum it. Have you ever been in a situation where you cannot easily step off one platform to another without the threat of falling over, slipping or whacking your head? That's when I say, if in doubt, bum it to overcome the obstacle. To give you some context of what I'm talking about, you are on a rock ledge and you need to step down one meter to the next platform. Your knees can't handle a jump because you decided to wreck a plane rugby. Or you're just useless at down climbing. But you need to get down. There is a remarkably simple solution. Get on your bum and slide down. The rock you need to get off is slippery. Lower your center, gra lower your center of gravity and bum it. Your knees and possibly your head will thank you. Well, that's it for me today. Five simple tips and tricks that you may or may not be of aware. If you have any feedback or questions, please find me in the Bushwalking and Canyoning Facebook page or email me on the links in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you and hope, to hope that you listen to the next podcast. Oh, I always forget this one. And it's only the second episode, so God help us all. Today's episode was brought to you by the letter B. As in B for the Barrington Tops, an amazing national park two hours northwest of Newcastle, New South Wales. Until next time, I hope the weather is warm and you remain dry and comfy.